Hi friends, how are you today? I recorded an episode um, early this week. I have this thing now, when I get up in the morning, I will just start talking from wherever the place I'm at. And I just get a little unfiltered. And the podcast, I thought about turning it into a podcast, but the length of it is pretty long and um, I can't upload it to this particular venue, but I'm going to kind of summarize the thoughts that I had when I recorded that podcast, because I still think is noteworthy. And when I woke up, <laughs> like I have been at these weird hours of the early wee mornings, I remember I instantly was thinking about my boyfriend and I was thinking about how kind and nice that there's a a sense of, um, I feel like care and concern that he gives me when we're present. And I haven't had that before. And I really enjoy that feeling. And I was getting into that feeling. Um, ironically, <laughs> the day that I recorded that podcast was also the day that we came unglued. And um, we just we just had our moment in this Mercury retrograde. Now that's not a part of the podcast, but I think it's interesting to note that the beginning of my morning, I'm unfiltered. I'm feeling all lovely, doubly and bubbly. And little did I know that later on in the day, I would become unglued, unhinged. And we just, <laughs> we just went into a whole nother direction. And that's really life. You know, we have what we think is going to be the guiding principle of the day. And I don't care how spiritual, how pulled together you are. There are times when you are going to come off your square, as I call it. And that day I came completely off my square. And I think that I was at a point of vulnerability. And I think that's important to note. I think sometimes when you become off your square, people may think that you're always unhinged, but a lot of times there's a few mitigating factors that are usually going on behind the scenes. In that recording, I also mentioned how I wanted happiness for the people close to me, for all of us to enjoy it at the same time. I wanted my girlfriend, my sister, myself to all be in healthy, loving relationships and, and making money and doing the things that we do and continue to grow as ladies and be able to share in that. I think so many times we all have, like I call it, our our moment. And I think those are beautiful things. I just, you know, would love the opportunity to have a set of, you know, my girlfriend and my sister. And we all have the people in our life that are significant in a good way and that we are really learning from and growing from. And I think that's key. And I've got to really think about that more and more. And the other component I began to think about was I had came upon the fact that about five years ago or so, I had had major surgery and I also had filed bankruptcy. And I talked a little bit in that podcast rant about how I really had a very distorted relationship with money. And I think it's important to share this because a lot of times people think that if you get more money, that's going to fix all your problems. And I'm going to just break it down to you real quick, if I can, if you don't mind. So years ago, I was married. 
got into a lot of debt and a lot of the bills were in my name. At the time when me and my ex-husband severed uh, our relationship, we weren't legally divorced at the time, but I did go on and file chapter seven at that time. And it resolved me of all the debts. And I felt such a weight lift off. And I felt like I had the opportunity to rebuild my credit and really start giving my new life the energy that it deserved. And I really got to a place and space where I had begun to try to apply for credit cards. And I remember at this time when I had filed for the chapter seven, some friends of mine, they had did chapter seven before, and they were fortunate to get credit cards and homes and all kinds of things. And I don't know if at the time when I filed that the laws were beginning to change or the world was shifting, because I remember, you know, I had a girlfriend at that time who I think she worked very minimum and I worked more than she did. And believe it or not, she had like a decent sized credit, uh, uh, credit access, you know, and I think the most I got was like $300. And at that time it may have, you know, been a big thing for me to have the credit anyway, but in the bigger scheme of things, I thought like, man, I really need more than just $300. And I really began to not look at the fact that I hadn't changed a lot of the behaviors with my money. Because even though I had gotten raises over time, I still hadn't recalibrated to my new normal. I didn't really set any type of goals or budgets. Now, don't get me wrong. When the bills came in, I paid them. But I did get to a certain point in time where I really wasn't driving my money. My money was driving me. And I thought the only way that it would get better is if I had child support. So during that time, I wasn't receiving any child support. We were still working things out through the court. And also during that time, I was very fortunate to get some decent size um, child support. I'm, I'm not child support. I'm sorry. Uh, tax refunds. Um, a lot of times when you have dependent children, you get the tax, the tax credit. And I remember I would have it for the kids. I had three kids at the time. And it would be like our Christmas, you know, taxes would come around. And I remember even when I was with my ex-husband, we would joke, you know, people would go out to Red Lobster and buy the cars. You could see the 30-day tags and you would see people out in the streets. And we would just make a joke about people burning through their money. But we weren't any different. We were doing the same thing. I hadn't learned those lessons. I had become one of those people. And it wasn't until I met this guy and he was a real piece of work. I mean, a real piece of crap. And the one thing I'll give him credit for, the only thing I can give him credit for was he didn't allow me to spend any of my tax refund monies on him. I remember he had came in town at the time and I wanted to go out and he refused to allow me to spend any money on him. And he said, I'm just going to have to work with what I have. And we had a great night and it all worked out. But he told me to take that tax refund and pay up my bills and save. And I thought that was really prudent advice. And I think that's when my mindset began to slowly change in one aspect. So I then looked at the tax refund as an opportunity to play catch up. And I would buy a lot of foods or things that I normally couldn't buy. I would pay up my bills, but I didn't 
do it in a way that it paid them up for months at a time. And that probably would have been a better thing to do. The other thing I did do that I had never done before is pay my rent up. He said, you know what? You know, you're going to live here for another year. You know, he said, maybe not pay the rent up for a few for the whole year, but if you can afford it, you know, pay it up for a few months. And that was really helpful. But what did I do? I blew through the money that I would have paid for rent. I didn't take it as an opportunity to invest or save the money. I still was blowing through money. And sometimes I would rationalize it was cheaper going to Wendy's than going to the store. And a lot of times, a lot of us get into that dollar meal, three, four dollar, five dollar bucket trap, especially when we have kids and we're like, hey, this is a lot cheaper. And I'm not here to talk about families who are really trying to make it and they're maximizing their dollars. I'm specifically talking about people who did have a little bit more wiggle room and it made sense for you to cook a meal as opposed to going through the drive through So I didn't want to own the habit that my money habits hadn't changed. Like I had filed chapter seven. I had got my new credit card. I even had got um, to the space where, um, you know, I was paying up bills here and there, but I still wasn't properly allocating my money. And then I had finally got the raise that I so deserved. And I thought this would take care of everything. So what do I do? I go out and get a brand new car. That's right. Brand new. One of the things they tell you, you know, if you buy something brand new, the the depreciation is going to go so fast. And I remember my rationale at the time was I had had so many issues with cars. And my model at the time was there wasn't any way I was going to be paying a car note and hauling that car in and out of the shop. That just didn't make any sense. And what I didn't understand, what my parents had tried to tell me many years ago was that when you get a car, that is a form of a bill, whether you pay it every month or whether you pay it sometimes. And this is outside of the fact if you're paying a car note that you have to have cash on reserve to make sure you're doing your maintenance, to make sure that if anything happens, because most of us at that time had used cars, you really had to be careful about how you were making moves because all that was impactful. And I remember for years, I was the, hey, it's Thursday or so before I get paid. So I'm going to go to the bank. Um, I'm going to go to the, I'm sorry, the the gas station. I only had like a dollar or two in my account. And that's all you needed to get the approval. And then I would fill up my entire gas tank until my paycheck came through. And I remember I was one of those people that I see on social media, you know, whenever that check hit, that was the difference between me either cooking something or me running to the drive-thru. It was like a reward. And I still hadn't come up with those heavy, those um, healthier lifestyles of telling my money what to do. So I get this brand new car and my life changes a bit at work. Not only did I stop getting the bonuses that I was getting, that I was using towards my new car payment. The other component happened was gas went up. And even though I had a smaller car, the gas was just really kicking my butt. I was driving about an hour, just one way to work each day. And then I end up getting a second job to kind of help mitigate. I got into a very predatory car loan that had me upside down. And I mean, those people stalk me like no other. And I'm telling you, it was some of the most terrifying nights of my life. And I remember 
It didn't matter what arrangements I made with these people. It was always these extra fees. So for example, I want to say, I think my card note at that time was like five to $600. And for me, that's like the average car note now. I don't pay that even for the car that I have now. But here it was, I had that car note. And if I were late, there were all these additional fees and I never got caught up because my budget was so tight that even when I thought I was catching up, I still was behind. And I just didn't read the fine print. I can be transparent with you. I thought I read the contract. I thought I was doing the right thing. Me being a single mom, living about you know a couple of hours away from close family and friends, I really wanted reliable transportation. I had been stranded a couple of times on freeways with kids. That is the most horrifying experience. And the one thing I can tell you is that sometimes trauma will lead you into more trauma. You're so fearful of doing what you did before that you're thinking you're running the other way, but then you're picking up a new set of problems. So this bonus money that I was getting for coming to my job, I actually stopped getting it. The company had changed. I was with a contract group when actually when I was at this job and they end up getting their contract severed. So then I end up joining this other group that was there. I still held the same job, but it was just, you know, different employer and that sort of thing. The money hourly was about the same or a little bit better, but I no longer had that additional travel bonus. And that's what incentivized me to take the job, even though it was, you know, a little far. That was the reason why I took the job. And I remember people were telling me over time it wasn't worth it. And I kept rationalizing with people. I think at the time, I want to say maybe I made between 20 and $26 an hour. I, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. And I still was struggling. You know, I still was struggling. I didn't live in a lavish place. Matter of fact, I rented that place I lived. And I want to say we paid rent about seven to $800. And maybe I lived in that place maybe eight years or so. I mean, I knew we stayed in there a good while. So here I was, changing the companies that I work for, no longer getting the bonus, get a brand new car. And then I have to fiddle with my budget. I get behind and then that spiral effect. At the same time, because that's how life happens, I then decide that I needed to finally step away from the toxic job that I was at at the time. And I remember I had a heart doctor because I was having all these heart palpitations. And he said, Sean, you need to leave your job. This job doesn't love you back. And RIP Dr. Hart, he was a wonderful man. And I remember I wasn't understanding what he was trying to tell me that over time, it didn't matter how much money I had. I was going to put myself in a better, in a bad health situation had I continued because of all the stress and the strain that that job was causing. And I left, you know, a, a window opened up and I jumped through it and I ended up taking a job back into my normal uh, expertise, which was insurance. Now that job did not pay as much as the job I left, but I was so glad to leave. I was willing to take the leap and it had just enough to pay my basics. I couldn't do a whole lot. And at that particular time, I was still working my second job as a cleaner. And I was still trying to, you know, make things work. And it got to be to a point where I couldn't financially make 
the car payment, work with the new income and life coming at me. Because at that point, I was getting closer to another daughter graduating. Because during this time, my eldest daughter had graduated high school. She had went away to college and I was strapped for cash. And people automatically thought like, you have three kids. Why are you paying tuition? And I'm telling you, we had a lot of expenses that we paid out of our own pockets. And I think it's such a misnomer about single parents and what do you pay for school? And I didn't even make half of the money that I make today. And I really was struggling. So that second job was just a couple of hundred dollars a week. But that was the difference between me having some groceries or thinking about what we were going to eat in my dreams. So I go to this newer job and I love it because one, the stress was definitely diminished. I made some really good friendships there and I really enjoyed the people that I work with. Then I discovered that I had these um, tumors that were in my breast at the time. And that was scary because I had went through this situation before many years prior and I've always had to get mammograms since I was 14. I had been diagnosed at that time with fibroadenoma. I had a more scientific diagnosis with this new uh, development, but I was scared out of my mind for my kids. I'm thinking here it is. They don't need their moms to be sick. So luckily it turned out it was benign. But during this time of me getting ready for surgery, that's just when things were heating up with my lender at the time I had for my car. And I really crunched my numbers and my budget and I couldn't afford to just surrender the car. I couldn't afford to not have transportation because where I lived and where I worked, there was no public transportation to get me to those places. So I had a hard decision. I had to file chapter 13. I know. I shake my head as I tell you the story. So I filed a chapter 13 and just days after I had had surgery. Now, mind you, everything kind of happened all at once. You know, you just don't find an attorney and all of a sudden the next day you're filing chapter 13. No, no, no. I had to interview several attorneys and a lot of the attorneys were not so kind and nice and people I didn't want to work with. And then I still had to work a full-time job. So I was trying to juggle meeting with these attorneys, taking phone calls and trying to schedule time to see these people all while working my job, both of those at the time and dealing with my kids and all the different things going on with kids at that point. So I eventually found the attorney that I really liked and we met. And the first day we met, it was shortly after I had surgery. And I remember my attorney was so um, adamant about you know me making sure I was of clear sound mind and body because I had just had this major surgery and he wanted to make sure that I was secure in doing what I was doing. And I remember I purposely didn't take any pain medication or anything before I went to that appointment because I really wanted to showcase that one, I was of sound mind and body, that there weren't any substances that was controlling my decision at the time. And at the time I had a very dear friend. She took me to and from the uh, place and I did the paperwork. So I was healing and recovering and re-strategizing. And my budget got magically super duper tight. You talking about feeling the crunch. Oh yeah, the crunch came. And I remember, you know, figuring like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get through this? And it was brick by brick, one day at a time. And, and 
yes, I went on and I've had a couple of jobs since originally filing that chapter 13. And I'm finally here to say that I've put that chapter 13 behind me, but it took a lot of hard work. A lot of times people will say, you know, when you file chapter 13 or you file sevens, that you're taking the easy way out. And I'm telling you, there is nothing easy about it. You know, maybe years ago, the laws were much lenient, but they take you through a rigorous process and you're proving yourself that you'll never, never, ever, 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 ever do these things again. And people treat you different credit wise. I mean, you don't think it doesn't come up anytime I do something. Hey, wait a minute. What, what's going on here? And I was trying to explain that to my boyfriend who has perfect credit, you know, that when you have these kind of bruises, people wonder what type of person are you? And you have to explain yourself, like even during this mortgage process, I've had to write letters and kind of explain the new me versus the old me and what I've learned and where I am and what my new processes are for finances. And I'll tell people this, life can happen fast. I'm grateful that I had that process because I was able to make restitution to my creditors and I can look myself in the face and know that I did the best I could with the little income that I had. I also didn't get complacent during those years. I kept building on my craft. I kept listening to podcasts, going to the library, talking to people, and really looking at the next steps for my career. I realized that I can put down a bunch of fancy numbers on sheets of paper, but what I couldn't do was out-budget poverty. And I had to find a way to get a skill set that would carry me into making the money that I could sustain and take care of my family. The other thing was I had to have a different relationship with money altogether. I had to understand that it was an exchange, that a lot of times when big dollar amounts were coming to me in the past, I had this scarcity mindset. So it was as though I had to do everything right then and there because I never knew when it was coming back to me. So I had to also reset how I thought about money and how it showed up for me. I also would have to say a lot of moms and dads who are looking for the financial support from other parents, sometimes it doesn't come when you want it to come. So long and short of it, my ex-husband eventually did start paying child support. It took us a very long time to get to a place where the payments were regular. And we did all the paperwork. I can't say that he didn't do his paperwork, but things don't happen overnight. And even the amount that he paid, you know, I still have palpitations that that was a very small amount. I, it still left me in a deficit, even even with the child support. And it was very rare that I got any money extra outside of child support, even though I had a divorce decree that enforced other financial needs with the kids. I didn't have extra money to drag this man back to court. So that was the other component, too, because people will say, well, you were divorced. You had a divorce decree. Well, I didn't have the energy and the time. The other component was he moved out of state. I got to the point where my mental health meant everything to me and was paramount. I didn't want to keep fighting with someone. And I finally got to the point of peace. I couldn't take care of all the things the way I wanted to, but I was finding a new path. And on my new path, I was able to determine that there were times I was going to have to tell the kids no. There were times when our Christmases weren't going to look like the other kids. And that a lot of times... I would have to find alternative things for us to do and receive and get to get through. And guess what? We did it. You know, all my kids are grown now, 
those times of them being worried about picking them up from daycare because we didn't make the, the payment for daycare or I had overages, um, I had overdue bills at the different pediatric places that we went because I just couldn't afford to pay my pediatricians. All those kind of things. I was able to finally pay those debts off, some of them pre-bankruptcy, but I was able to put that stuff behind me and I was able to find new ways to do things. And what I will tell you is what I've learned so much. If you can, try not to live up to your new income. Really understand what drives you. Let your money work for you. I don't like to use the word budget because it feels restrictive. Sometimes everything is about languaging. Get to the point where you really know what what you need. We're in a time where even people like myself who are doing relatively okay, you know, we have inflation and I, I shake my heads and I wonder how a lot of these young parents are doing it. Um, but I say, do your best and don't beat up on yourself. There may be times when you may have to get a new skill set to improve your income. That's just the reality of it. If I didn't get a new skill set, I, I would have been at the same place. So nothing that's happened to me has just been by you know, accident. It's been by a lot of hard work, sweat and tears, and a lot of no's before I got a lot of yeses. And I think that's the other part of this thing too. A lot of times when people see you at the peak of your career, they don't realize that there were some no's in between. There were a lot of uncomfortable nights. There were times where maybe there were some racial or different disparities that you encountered and you still showed up and had to do your job anyway. What I'm saying ultimately is that our lives will take us down a lot of different paths. And those paths don't have to define you. It's how you bounce back from them. And even as I record this podcast today, you know, I'm not sure what my future holds, but I know one thing. I don't want to get the debt that I had before, and I want to make things as manageable as possible. I realized that I spent a lot of my time trying to fit in, even when I did it with my finances with people. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm not trying to show people that I can take care of myself because I know I can. And I'm not trying to get in relationships with people who are users because that's another component too. A lot of people saw this mom of three and thought it was a good idea to take advantage. And guess what? I let them. There was parts of me that I think I felt like I wasn't worthy and I felt like I had to be a giver, not just because I enjoy giving, but I felt like people were doing me a favor instead of the other way around. And I would say this to uh, any young women, don't let your motherhood or how many kids you have or what you make determine the type of system, grading system of what you're going to deal with from a man. If a man doesn't want to deal with you and your five, six, seven, three, two, however many kids, let him walk. There are many men who will want to partner with you. And I know you say, oh my gosh, where, when? Be patient, be selective, and don't let people try to bully you and make it seem like you're not worthy of it. And I, this even goes for my plus size women. I think a lot of times, if I look back, a lot of the things I did in relationships too, and it had an adverse effect with my money is because how I felt about my body. You know, I felt like, oh, I was the little chubby girl. So I just had to endure. And you don't have to. There's a lot of people who will love you just the way you are. And you don't have to sacrifice your pocketbook, your dignity or any of that. So if I can save one person today by sharing my stories, this, there are a lot of times in our lives where we have to make some difficult decisions and those decisions at the time may feel like we can't bounce back and our bounce back 
won't look like it did before. Like, cause we're not going back to the people that we were before. We're getting into something better. I know right now my biggest focus is excelling at my job and to solidify my home ownership. Anything outside of that is to be determined. I'm dating right now. I don't know where that's going to go. And it's not that I'm on this island aimlessly and letting him guide the ship, but I am open to the possibility that maybe this is just for the right now. I don't know what my future is going to be. And I think a lot of times as women, we fast track these relationships. If things happen and this person that I'm with currently as I record this today decides and we make the decision that it feels right for us to you know, go into a, a legal partnership and to become one, you know, that's, that's something we'll explore. But right now I'm a single woman and I have to guard my assets and I have to look at my future and I have to be very good steward about everything that I have. And I encourage you to do the same. Thank you so much for your listenership. I hope you've gotten a lot of good nuggets out of this. Have a good day and namaste friends. Thank you.